everyone. Welcome back to Combos with Dr. Kate. This episode, I'm chatting with Dr. Dan Gallo, representing Jaguar Gene Therapy in Medical Affairs. And we are chatting about some of the progress that's been made over the past couple of years at the company for testing a gene therapy for Phelan McDermott syndrome. And we kind of go over what is gene therapy in the first place? What is their approach to it? What are some recent updates? And what still needs to be done in order for this to get to clinical trials if it does show to be safe and effective? And some of the next wave of information that we're hoping to get from Jaguar and share with you all in the future are some of the specific risks and benefits of this treatment in animals that could apply to humans. So if you feel like you're missing details on exactly you know, what's a concern with this treatment or what it could actually improve, all that information is not fully known yet. So we will share that as soon as it is. But I hope you enjoy the podcast and the updates and we will see you next time. Hi, Dan. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Kate. Happy to be here. So you work for Jaguar Gene Therapy, which is a company working on treatments for genetic disorders. And Phelan McDermott syndrome families have been hearing about gene therapy for a while and are excited about the possibilities. And Jaguar has a drug currently in its pipeline for Phelan McDermott syndrome. And we as a foundation have been chatting with you and others at Jaguar over the past couple of years about this progress. And we'd love to talk about that today. Um, but before we jump in, would you mind providing a little background on your role and some of your professional experience? Absolutely. Yeah, happy to. Uh, so again, my name is Dan Gallo. I joined Jaguar uh, at the start of 2022 uh, to lead the company's medical affairs activities. By background, I, I have a PhD in immunology and virology. So that means I, I went to grad school at Northwestern University. I spent about six and a half years there doing research on uh, specific types of viruses that are used in gene therapy. I've been in the biopharmaceutical industry for about 12 years or so, mostly working in medical affairs. And for those that don't know, medical affairs is essentially the, the part of a pharma or biotech organization that's responsible for communicating and educating about a company's science and clinical data. Uh, medical affairs also facilitates a variety of research collaborations and clinical studies uh, and provides medical and scientific support once a medicine has been approved. So once a medicine is approved, if a physician uh, a researcher has questions on the safety or efficacy profile of, med of a medicine. Medical affairs is usually that part of the organization that's there to, to, to provide that scientific and clinical support. Uh, I also want to mention that I, I'm joined at Jaguar by really an experienced team of leaders who developed and gained approval for a drug called Zolgensma while at Avexis. This is a small company that was acquired by Novartis Gene Therapies. Uh, Zilgensma is approved for the treatment of spinal muscular atrophy. And so, again, the, the leadership from that company uh, came together to found uh, Jaguar Gene Therapy in an effort to, to try to do that in other diseases where there's uh, as great an unmet need. We've enjoyed getting to know you and the rest of the Jaguar team at PMSF over the past couple of years. And the common theme, as I mentioned earlier, are gene therapies for genetic disorders. And families are always interested in understanding what it takes for a company to become invested in them. So how did Jaguar become interested in Phelan McDermott syndrome as a possible um, condition? 
Yeah, thanks. That's an excellent question. So in evaluating a potential gene therapy program, Jaguar focuses on a few key things. First, we look at disease areas where the biology is sufficiently understood. So, you know, we want to understand that we can potentially have a positive clinical outcome by replacing a single gene. Uh, second, we look at the unmet need. We want to be in disease areas where gene therapy can really provide a unique therapeutic option. It's also about recognizing the tremendous burden certain diseases can have on individuals and families and really doing our best to bring forward treatments that could potentially reduce that burden. Third, we, we look at the quality of the gene therapy product uh, in the academic setting. So, you know, how can we ultimately translate that to large-scale manufacturing? Uh, when exploring potential gene therapy programs uh, a few years back, the team identified a preclinical academic gene therapy program uh, at the Broad Institute at MIT and Harvard, which was focused on Shank 3 and that met all three of those requirements. Specifically, our, our JAG-201 program leverages the work done by uh, Dr. Guoping Feng, a professor of neuroscience at MIT. Uh, Dr. Feng has shown encouraging preclinical proof of concept data using Shank 3 gene therapy in mouse models. And our JAG-201 program is exclusively licensed from the Broad Institute of MIT and Harvard, which means that Jaguar has secured the rights to develop this investigational treatment for use in the clinic. It's really interesting to hear, and I want to uh, emphasize that part of this is based off of relatively good foundational understanding of the disorder in terms of, you know, what causes it or what's around it, and then, you know, what's already been developed. And so I want to thank every family that has ever joined, you know, the natural history study or enrolled in that or any of the other studies that we do, um, as well as supported any of the research that's been ongoing, because that is, that's partially foundational for investment from companies like Jaguar. So can you describe in basic terms what gene therapy is? Yeah, absolutely. So, so gene therapy involves the introduction of healthy copies of genes into the body, into the cells of the body, with the aim of restoring the function of the affected cells. Uh, for disorders caused by a gene that's not functioning properly, including PMS, gene therapy aims to address the root cause of the disease. At Jaguar, our gene therapy uses a viral packaging system to deliver the healthy, cop healthy copies of those functional genes. Specifically, we use something called the adeno-associated virus as the packaging system to deliver functioning genes into target cells. And we do this because AAV has been shown to be an effective packaging system because it's non-pathogenic, meaning it does not cause disease in humans. Yet it maintains the ability to effectively enter cells the way that a virus would. To be used as a packaging system for gene delivery, the viral DNA of AAV, so the internal components are removed and replaced with that healthy gene that we want to introduce that's intended to have a therapeutic benefit from a patient suffering from a genetic disease. Um, once that AAV is delivered, its healthy gene copies to the nucleus of the cell. The gene is then transcribed and translated to produce a functional protein. Again, in a, in a disorder where uh, a gene is missing or mutated, uh, there may not be sufficient levels of that functional protein. And so by increasing that amount of functional protein, um, we're ultimately able to hopefully restore the function of the cell to its, uh, to its normal uh, capacity. Um, what happens to that vector then is that the patient's body breaks down and processes the AAV. So as a you know, viral component, it's made up of 
components of, of the cell uh, proteins, and all of those are broken down within the body. AAV-based gene therapy is a proven and well-characterized method, and so that's why we use it. And for anyone who wants more details on this method or just to listen to more of this, we did have a conference session last year with Dan and Dr. Guoping Feng and um, May from Jaguar. And it's, it's a really interesting, um, good background for all of this information. And in the case of PMS, can you elaborate on your target being Shank 3 um, and why? Yeah, so that's a good point. So with JAG201, we, we are aiming to deliver a functional version of the Shank 3 gene. Uh, as you know, many individuals with PMS have either a mutation in a Shank 3 gene, which causes that gene to lose its function, or a deletion in chromosome 22 that encompasses Shank 3. And so they may only have one functioning copy of Shank 3, uh, which leads to Shank 3 haploinsufficiency. That means that these neurons um, that are affected do not produce enough Shank 3 protein to maintain proper neuronal function, allowing neurons to effectively communicate with one another. Uh, this is a process that's central to ensuring that memory development and learning can take place appropriately. So our goal here is that, you know, our aim is really that by delivering healthy copies of Shank 3 gene directly into the neurons, uh, that we may be able to increase expression of Shank 3 um, protein to provide appropriate levels and thereby restore or improve neuron function and communication. And there's one thing I'd really love to clarify for families in that the Shank 3 gene, we know with a lot of research, is highly connected to almost all of the symptoms in Phelan McDermott syndrome. It's thought of to be relatively causative, um, but other genes can be affected in Phelan McDermott syndrome as well. Many people have deletions of DNA, which can include many different genes, including Shank 3. Um, so while the overwhelming majority of people who have been diagnosed with Phelan McDermott syndrome do have a Shank 3 um, issue in terms of it being dysfunctional, it's not always the whole picture for every family. So we just want to acknowledge that we don't know what that means in terms of other genes not being targeted by this treatment or other treatments, um, and that this is a complex disorder. Um, so it's relevant for most people, um, but we don't know what it means for the other genes which may be lost. And I mentioned we've been chatting for the past couple of years, Dan, would you mind walking us through general stages of what's been done so far from the moment of Jaguar gene therapy being interested in targeting Shank 3 to now? Yeah, happy to. So as I mentioned earlier, uh, this program, JAG-201, was licensed from the Broad Institute of MIT and Harvard. Uh, this was done in 2020. Immediately after uh, licensing the program, the team began designing the preclinical studies, so the studies that take place in, in animals, uh, and continuing to learn as much as we could about the disease and how it affects individuals and families. At the same time that we've been working to complete our preclinical studies over the last couple of years, We've been designing our clinical trials and understanding how best we could evaluate the safety and efficacy or the potential benefit of this investigational gene therapy. This is all work that is ongoing today. Uh, Jaguar is still early, relatively early in the development process for JAG-201. Uh, our preclinical trials are ongoing. Uh, we continue to evaluate data uh, as they emerge from our preclinical programs. 
Uh, and following completion of these preclinical studies, we'll conduct an overall evaluation of the benefit risk profile of JAG201, as well as the potential translational benefit, uh, meaning you know, what we can interpret from those studies uh, as potential benefits that we may see if we were to study JAG201 in, in humans, um, and really do that to determine next steps, including how we might move this program forward into human clinical trials. And speaking of that, does the animal testing, and I just want to reiterate that anytime you hear preclinical, it could mean animals, it could mean other models, um, but does this testing that's ongoing give us any clues so far about what symptom areas could possibly change with treatment? Yeah, and I, I do want to mention that, you know, these, these are still uh, ongoing studies and data continues to emerge from them. Um, generally speaking, you know, this type of gene therapy could offer the opportunity to have a lasting impact on the disease and aspects of the disease, including things like the associated behavioral, developmental, and or cognitive abnormalities observed in individuals with uh, PMS or disorders arising from shank 3 mutations and deletions. Uh, when we designed our preclinical studies, we aim to evaluate all of this. So we wanted to have measures in animals that would allow us to uh, make assessments of behavior, development, cognitive ability. And then we aim to assess whether or not when we administer the gene therapy, it can correct these manifestations in, in animals. Uh, we've not yet presented any outcome results from our preclinical program. As, as I mentioned, the work is still ongoing, but we do look forward to sharing results from our completed program uh, at some point in the future. Thank you. And just to give a little bit of context in not from Jaguar, but in general, the types of things that you could test in animals in the lab, there are a lot of um, measures that you can do for any number of things that could be relevant to Phalamidermin syndrome or other disorders. Um, in general, you can look in mice at things like their behavior or their social preference or maybe their cognitive functioning. Um, you could look at um, some types of mood uh, issues in animals. You could look at things like seizures. You could look at the strength of um, muscles or the ability to um, grip onto things, things like this. So this is not, I'm not saying that Jaguar is doing anything in particular, because I think they really want to have a good idea of what their results are before they say something like this to the community. Um, but there are many different things that you could assess in animals. One of the most recent updates also that we saw was Jaguar starting to test in non-human primates. And to summarize, it seems like what we've seen so far is the purpose of this is to test dosage and safety and delivery method. And if this works as anticipated, um, you know, it can continue to get more detail in each of those areas. Uh, and we shared details on this in our newsletter and on social media recently, it might have been a couple of months ago. And can you elaborate on what was learned in terms of possible application to humans from this? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we did recently publish, as you mentioned, data from uh, a non-human primate study, uh, so essentially monkeys, uh, on the route of administration for JAG-201, and specifically our target route of administration for potential human clinical trials is what we call intracerebroventricular administration or ICV administration. Uh, ICV administration allows you to deliver uh, the gene therapy product directly into the ventricle within the brain, providing more widespread access to the neurons and the structures of the brain. The data we, we recently published highlights how a single ICV dose 
of JAG201 uh, results in widespread delivery to the target cells uh, within the brain and shank 3 transgene expression in the neurons throughout the brains of non-human primates, including critical brain target regions linked to neurological deficits in human patients with shank 3 mutations and or deletions. So to your point, we wanted to test, you know, does, does the ICV administration allow us to, you know, can we do this safely in non-human primates? And then afterwards, is there evidence that we're delivering that gene therapy to the cells that we want to ensure are receiving the gene therapy? And that's what these results show. We, we can deliver it with a single dose. The gene therapy does make it to the appropriate structures of the brain. And there's evidence within the neurons that uh, those cells are expressing that new functional gene. So you're doing things like testing. Do we need to inject it into both ventricles? Maybe you don't need to, um, or maybe this is the minimum dose that you could use. Um, the gene therapy would basically need to be delivered pretty locally. You know, there's a concern generally in the field outside of this particular treatment that if you were to inject, say, IV or another method, that it wouldn't reach inside the brain because um, we have the blood-brain barrier. And it seems like from this data, you'll also have a rough understanding of adverse events or side effects, theoretically. Is that true? Yeah, that's that's all accurate. Um, and to your first point, you know, in this study, we did both injection into one ventricle and then delivery of, of uh, half the dose into each of the ventricles. And what we ultimately saw was that uh, we can achieve a similar level of delivery of the gene therapy product to the neurons with just uh, a single dose delivered to, to a single ventricle. So this is ongoing, and can you comment on what steps are on the horizon? What needs to be done for a clinical trial to start? We know we need to make sure the therapy is safe in animal testing, um, that it can be delivered to the right tissue as everything we just talked about, but what else? Yeah. So, so as we've mentioned, you know, our preclinical studies for JAG-201 are ongoing in both mice as well as non-human primates. Following the completion of these studies, we'll evaluate next steps in terms of the JAG-201 development program. Uh, so this involves making an overall assessment of the full benefit risk profile based on all of the data that we've seen from our preclinical studies. And then if appropriate, building a case that we would propose to regulatory agencies such as the FDA for potential evaluation in, in affected individuals in, in clinical trials. So specific questions we would want to answer when, when building out that benefit-risk profile uh, based on the preclinical studies would be things like, does the gene therapy provide a disease benefit in animals? Uh, is the gene therapy appropriately safe and well-tolerated in the animals that we've tested it in? Is the method of delivery, so the ICV delivery, uh, is that safe and well-tolerated? And then importantly, is there a dose that may provide clinical benefit with an associated appropriate safety profile. Uh, so these are all things that we're actively working to understand now as data from our preclinical programs emerge. Uh, in parallel, we also wanna work to define how we might study JAG-201 in humans. So this includes things like, you know, understanding the characteristics of individuals that we would aim to treat. So, you know, if we were to do a clinical trial, what patients would we enroll? What we call, you know, essentially inclusion and exclusion criteria. Um, but also the types of safety assessments we'd want to make after delivering the investigational gene therapy, and then also the types of potential benefits we would look for after we deliver the gene therapy. Um, once we've completed all of this, 
uh, we would present our case to regulators and then seek their alignment on a path forward for initiating clinical studies in humans. So you are collecting a lot of information that you are essentially going to present to a regulator like the FDA at some point and, and discuss you know, moving forward with clinical trials if everything goes well and they provide feedback to you about you know, how to best do that so that it's safe and um, well-informed. Yep. So it's not surprising with all the steps that we've discussed, including the extensive testing in animals that drug development can take significant time and to get to clinical trials can take years. And then once a drug makes it to trials, it takes years to go through those phases. So I think it's important to just mention that um, for the community listening, do you have a general guess on timeline for how long it could take to get to clinical trials from this moment? Is it on the order of weeks, months, years? Do you have any comment on that? Yeah, no, that, that's a great question. And I think it's, it's probably one we get often. Um, I think like you mentioned, I think ultimately it depends on, on a number of things. So, you know, how quickly we can complete our analyses and our preclinical program. Um, as well as the subsequent discussions that we would plan to have with regulators. Uh, our goal, of course, is to get this to the clinic uh, as rapidly as, and safely as possible. And we look forward to sharing an update when, we, when we've made appropriate progress. And I think it's important to mention that you are at least not at the very start of animal studies. So you, there is... There is data that is ongoing. The models are there. So we're not, we're not starting at square one and everything's very much underway, which certainly means progress. We just don't know exactly how long that will take. Um, so families often want to know if it's too late for their child. Uh, we have you know, people with failing McDermott syndrome at every age range. Is there anything known about which age or stage of development this approach would be most successful in? Um, is that something that's being looked at at all in the animal testing? Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's an important consideration. Um, what I can tell you is our ongoing preclinical work. So you know the the studies in in mice and in primates. This is work that's aimed at helping us understand the potential clinical benefits and safety profile that JAG two hundred one might have uh, in younger animals, so younger mice and primates that are still actively undergoing neurodevelopment. However. You know, when we think of JAG-201 more broadly, it's it's still too early in the development process to answer this question definitively. Um, so this is where we start, but our long-term goal is to understand and ultimately define those patient populations that may benefit from this potential gene therapy. And my last question for you is that Jaguar gene therapy is currently based in the US. Um, if a clinical trial were to start in the future, is there an idea of where clinical trials might occur? Yeah. Um, so, you know, our, our aim is to explore trials in the U.S., but in other countries as well. Uh, we've not fully defined which countries outside of the U.S. we would pursue clinical studies in, though we're currently considering those plans as well as requirements from a regulatory perspective uh, and associated timelines. And we're doing this while moving forward with planning studies in the United States if it turns out that we have a, a, you know, a clear path forward to the clinic. Well, on this and everything else, the Phelan McDermott Syndrome Foundation will of course help keep the community updated. Jaguar and other companies are leveraging some of the things that families have contributed to. 
Um, part of this is also the patient-focused drug development meeting, um, which was fantastic and with the FDA and put on by CureShank, who we partnered with. And there's a lot of really important information that comes out of there. We're happy to continue to update everybody on what this means and what the progress is. As Dan mentioned, there's still ongoing things to address as always and challenges, but it's exciting. Um, do you have any last comments, Dan? No, I just want to say thank you, Kate. It was a pleasure to connect with you today and really appreciate this opportunity to talk to you and, and the whole PMS uh, Foundation. Thank you very much.